Thank you for tuning in to the True Grit and Grace podcast. I'm Amberly Lago, and I'll be sharing inspirational stories of resilience and empowering ideas to elevate your business and your life, ignite your passion, and fuel your purpose. Hey, Amberly Lago here. Thank y'all for tuning in to True Grit and Grace. And I have an amazing guest today. Um, she is the definition of grit and grace for sure. She is beautiful in every sense of the word. I actually first met her on Instagram and I've been like stalking her and following her journey. And she's a wellness expert. She's a two times best-selling author. She's a transformational coach. She has been featured on in every magazine you could ever imagine, from Cosmopolitan to L to Shape, Women's Health, Men's Health, um, Huffington's Post, so many different platforms. We have so much in common. I've been looking forward to this day to finally get to talk with her. She has a podcast called A Sharper Life, and I'm excited I'll get to be a guest on her podcast too. But I have with us the one, the only Nikki Sharp. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Amberly. And what a, I I like the drum roll, the here I am, but yeah, I mean, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm just really excited to, I mean, really talk about grit and grace because I think it's so easy to look at people, especially online and people look at me and how I look and the travels that I do. And, you know, if you don't know my backstory, then it's like, oh, great. You know, there's another pretty girl. And it's like, well, no, it wasn't always like that. And so I, I always feel honored to be able to share, to inspire, to give hope, because as we were talking off camera, we have, you know, the, the context of our stories are different, but the secondary either traumas we experience the 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 emotional traumas or what we had to go through in our own to really get to where we are is quite the same so it's it, I'm thrilled to be here and and chat about all the things thank you and you know what I'm so glad you mentioned that that yes to look at like a lot of people place judgment i mean it's human nature and to look at your Instagram, I mean, y'all, hello. First of all, you got to go follow her on Instagram, Nikki Sharp, because I, I I, have to admit, girl, I have like gone down the rabbit hole on your Instagram <laughs> I and <love> binged <laughs> and binged your reels. And because, okay, okay, you're stunningly gorgeous, stunningly gorgeous. So if you're not watching this on YouTube and you're listening to this, you will have to go and check out the YouTube or check out her on Instagram. But there's so much more to you than behind, like than than your looks, than your beauty. And you have overcome a lot. And so much of the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because I relate to your story in so many ways. So believe it or not, I used to actually model and I never, that was something I never wanted to get into. I was a dancer and they kept sending me out for these modeling gigs. And so many of the times they would say, I'm too fat. I'm, I'm too muscular. I'm too, and I'm like, 
duh, I'm a dancer. I'm not a model, you know, and they keep sending me out. Then when I got in the fitness industry, I was told I'm too skinny. I need to eat more. I need more muscle. So when I read about your story and your, what you have done, I was like, oh gosh, we got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Um, And so I would love for you to just share a little bit about like, how you went from being this former international model and modeling all over the world. But what that, what comes along with that as far as like body image, the, the emotional stuff that comes along with that. And then how did you transition to where you are today to where you help people break that cycle of the self-sabotage, the limiting beliefs, the even like body dysmorphia, all, all these things and going back into really bad habits because, hey, I've definitely been there. So I'm here <laughs> I, I mean, just as much right? to ask you, <laughs> like, I need your help. So yeah. Yes. Asking for a friend. <laughs> asking for a friend. You're yes. right. I mean, what I'll I'll say before I jump into the the very cliff note version of where I got to or where I am today is much like you when I was in the modeling industry, I I was not tall enough. So I was five eight. They would always lie and say I was five nine. So I for runway, not tall enough. But then I was at some points in my career not skinny enough for what they, you know, certain people wanted. And then I lost weight. And then because I was very skinny at times from eating disorders. I then was not, I was skinny enough for runway, but not tall enough. And I had too big of, I had a really small waist, big, bigger hips. And anyone that looks at me now will be like, what? But the modeling world, I mean, it's a different they're, world. They're crazy. They measure. Okay. Every so what, inch. what are, what I just want to know, yeah. like curious to what's your waist and what's your hip measurement? Oh, now I have no idea. Since I left the modeling world, I, I, what I was had, it back then? Um, I mean, what they really want in inches is uh, 34 bust, 24, 34, 34. which yep. basically means that you have a small waist, but you have like almost no hips. And and it's honestly, this is going to sound bad, but there is something about clothes on a body type like that, because the if you change the body type you're, you're actually distracting from the clothes. People pay more attention to the body. And so these big designers, they want to feature the clothes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to go into all of that. I don't think it's healthy what they promote, but I didn't have that. I, I had a, I don't remember what my waist and hips and all that were, but. Oh, well I do. (laughs) I do because it was drilled into me that I needed to have 34, 24, 34. And so I, would have that tape measure and I would be and that I've never shared that on the podcast before ever, but it was like, Oh, it's it's drilled into you. It's drilled into you. And it was borderline. Like I look back now, I didn't know what eating disorder or any of that was, but there was definitely some disorders going on there to where I would eat and then go run 10 miles or, or, eat only power bars. Cause that was the only protein bars back then, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, so I'm so happy to hear that you're like, Oh, I don't even know. The I, I mean, I don't, I don't know my yeah. weight. I don't know my, 
I got very traumatized for many years. Like I couldn't go to the doctor and step on a scale. I would actually have to turn around. I do know that my my hips were just always bigger than what they wanted and my waist was always smaller. So most women are <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I also have a much healthier body now and it's it's actually more balanced. But so what I, I was saying with that is I, I never fit into the modeling world because I wasn't tall enough or I was too skinny and I had the all American girl look, but then again, too skinny or if I gained weight, then it, I mean, it was just so messed up. So then I went into the wellness industry by accident, just like honestly trying to heal myself. And I'll give a bit more context uh, from that. But then I go into the the wellness industry and I'm too thin, not muscular enough, too pretty. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. and so I've I've also really just learned like, there's there's no such thing in my viewpoint of fitting in. If you're trying mm-hmm. to fit in, it's the it's the wrong thing because what what are you trying to fit into? Who's mold of the world? And so the the really long short of it is growing up, I always wanted to be a model and I I did it. I graduated university early with honors. Um, as soon as I graduated, I was on a plane to Shanghai. So I've lived in LA, Shanghai, Sydney. Athens, London, New York, um, born in Colorado, and I'm forgetting a few other places for for modeling. And oh, and and South Korea. So for me, it was really, I took the opportunity to do the international scene because I was 22 at the time. And that like, that's considered old for for international model. They're all like, Mm -hmm. you know, 16 to 19. And I just, I wanted to travel the world and do this incredible thing and explore. And I've always had a soul that just wants to explore and experience. And, but and can I just go back yeah, to that for yeah. a second? Is that not crazy that 22? Oh, yeah. That's it's considered crazy. like, okay, you're old. And you know, that's why I retired as a dancer, as a professional dancer at 25, because I had it made up in my mind. That because I worked with dancers that were in their 30s and they were bitter and old and like 25 as a dancer, you're done. Like that's the height of your career. And so I was like, I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to get out of the modeling and the dancing career at 25 when I'm at the height. And I told my agent and they were like, kept calling me and I'm like, nope, I'm done. Wow. I am on the way to my fitness journey is, is that career. But how crazy is that? Because yeah. now I'm at a point where I'm like, wow, I was told these stories of it's done when you're 22 or it's done when you're 25. And now I am I have a totally different aspect. And I'm like, I completely started a whole new career at 48 years old. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I I think what's so important on that and you and I both, you know, we speak of resilience and literally, you know, grit and grace of going through hardships. Like I've changed my quote unquote career so many times and I still feel like I'm not even in my career. I'm like, ah, I'm still building. I don't know what five years, who knows what it's going to look like. And so I did the modeling thing, had two eating disorders during the time, didn't understand why or how, had insomnia, was, um, addicted to Ambien for five years of that, did all sorts of meditation, things, trying to heal it, went to doctors, um, did a, a sleep study in New York. And, and it was just like every, really? yeah, every doctor or person I saw for eating disorders or this, it was like, all right, we'll stress less. Okay. You know, 
Well, so what, what you would go to bed and you just couldn't sleep. sleep. Yeah. And you know, you don't know what, you know, now you don't know then. And so Mm -hmm. what I now know, and then because of what I teach and I'm so passionate about it is it was the, it's just the mind. The mind was just, Mm -hmm. it was, it was keeping me Mm -hmm. up and not even on a conscious level, on a subconscious level, my mind was just in the background and yeah. And so what I, I learned was, it, I mean, there was a whole host of things that I did to change it, but it was like changing my diet, eat, bringing in colorful fruits and vegetables and just plant-based food, not saying vegan. I'm just saying like real food. That was a huge game changer for me. So starting, wait, I want to go back to yeah. your eating disorder. Were yeah. you just like starving yourself or were you binging or what were you doing? Uh, so for years, it started off as uh, anorexia and I... I I never counted calories, but I was just, I just would eat as little as possible. Um, and that went for a few years until I was in actually, well, until I got to the point where my body was literally like asking for food. And then I would like binge on almonds, which is not a fun thing. It's not like binging on almonds, not fun. When someone's like, Oh, I wish I would do that because it's such a, a high amount of natural fat. Your body's like, Oh, so it, things like that. And then I went to South Korea and they told me that they wanted me to gain weight in very specific places. So like, could I gain weight on my over by where my knees are, but not on my thighs? And what? Yeah. How, I mean, like that's well, you can't. You, no, it's, it's not right. It's not. But what they were trying to say is, can you basically mindfully gain a, a small amount of weight, which is I mean, I would say like if you're weight training and doing the right things, it's not going to be out of proportion, but I took that as, oh, okay, I can go eat a bunch of food now. So then I I started binging and then when you binge, you feel awful. So then I would restrict and that lasted a few more years. And so the journey out of that, I mean, the eating disorders was, was long and arduous, the getting over insomnia and off of Ambien, which is, I think one of the most addictive substances. Like I think Ambien is probably honestly worse than most drugs that I've heard people taking. Do you know, I had Ambien one time. Yeah. I had Ambien <laughs> one time. Um, and uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this on the podcast, <laughs> but I keep it real here. Uh, I had Ambien one time and I slept walk and was oh, leaving, yeah. leaving the yeah. house. I was yeah. about to get in the car and drive in a full-on sleepwalk. Yeah. And my husband was like, what the heck is going on? And that's when he started setting the alarm for the house. And I was like, okay, I'm not taking that stuff anymore because that is just crazy. crazy. I don't even remember yeah. getting yeah. up. So good for you for getting off of that. But but I also appreciate Nikki so much that you are sharing, like it took a lot of work on your part. Like you went to therapy, you were willing to do the work. You weren't just going to different doctors or therapists and saying, help me fix me. You were like, no, I need to fix myself. At first I went to doctors being like, Hey, fix me, you know, help me get over the, the insomnia. And then, you know, you start to realize a few years into it that no one's going to fix you. At least this was my experience and the eating disorders, kind of the, the really, the, the moment that I remember, I mean, I, obviously I remember so much, but it was like one of those moments, you know, the life-changing moments where 
I went to my doctor in London where I was living at the time, super depressed, incredibly unhappy and eating disorders, both of them feeling awful about myself, much like your story of like, what's the point at this point? Uh, I don't really know what the point of living with how I feel. So I went to my doctor and I said, I think I need to go to an eating disorder clinic. And so in London, they put me on a six month waiting list just to get seen by the clinic. And I was like, I don't in this rate, how I feel, I'm not seeing the physicality like months. Yeah. I remember waiting one week for a friend to take me to a recovery program. And I thought I'm going to die. Like I will die. I need help right now. Yeah. So what did you do when you were like six months, six months? Yeah. I went back to the doctor or I think at the same time he had given me depression medication, antidepressant, and I took it for one day. And I, I've always been a very joyful, bubbly, vibrant child. And my mother called me Pollyanna for those, anyone who's watched the movie. And so that's in my nature, but I had been numbing myself because I didn't understand the feelings that I was trying to numb. That, that was one of the keys to healing is being okay to face those feelings. So I told him that he put me on the medication. I took it for one day. And then I was like, no, like that was just, it was like a, no, I know there's, there's something behind this. And that was, that led me on, you know, this multi-year forever non-ending journey that I'm still on today to discover who I am, what makes me tick, my vulnerabilities, weaknesses, my triggers, my traumas. And like, it's like peeling an onion where, you know, just when I think that I've gotten to this next layer and I'm like, great, cool. Like life is good. I, you know, it's like, and then there's another trigger that you have to deal with and childhood, you know, inner wounding. And, and I think the the biggest thing that I've learned, thank you for saying that, by the way. Yeah. Hello. Can I just acknowledge that right now? Thank you for saying that because I have been feeling like that lately. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm resilient. I should be able to get through this hard stuff. Like I just lost my dad like a week and a half ago, passed away. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why is this so hard? Like, why am I being so triggered? Why can't I just like snap up and keep going and keep moving? So I think what helps is actually when we know that we're not alone on this journey. And I know that's a huge connect, like a piece of what you talk about is like how connection is so important going through these trials and tribulations. And I love that you share that, but I just, I'm sorry. I had to say that really quick. Thank you for saying that because that, that helps me because I've been struggling a bit. And so for you to go, you know what? We think we're good. We think we got it figured out. And then one one more thing. (laughs) Let me, let (laughs) me figure this next thing out. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. And the the triggers, the traumas, like if this is life. If you have a viewpoint that life is going to be peachy and rosy, like you might as well change your viewpoint at some point because it's there will be so many beautiful moments. But it, it's really how do you how do you act and react when things get challenging? And actually, on Friday, my my husband came home and I was sitting on the couch, and I realized that. I had all of this, all these feelings and emotions that I had been numbing and putting down and distracting myself with work. So I started sharing and then just the floodgates open. And this is like literally a few, few days ago, Friday. 
and I'm like bawling and I'm like, I don't know what I feel about children and my business and I'm a failure. And it's, I, I share that because I, just as, as you mentioned, it is nice to know that the experts that we look up to, that someone looks up to me, that I look up to someone else, like it's, sounds bad to say, but like, I want to know that you have a bad day. And this was actually how my brand started without knowing that this was going to be the model of my brand. When I was in London in the eating disorders, I think at this point I'd gone to my doctor and and now I was kind of like on my way trying to figure this out. And I remember thinking, God, I wish I just knew that Giselle Bunchton, you know, famous supermodel, because I'd always idolize them. I'm like, I Uh wish I just knew that Giselle and Miranda Kerr had a bad day. Like, tell me that you had a bad day and you got like, drunk. Like, it's and not always perfect. Like, things yeah. are not always like, just going. Tell me that you binged and you feel like shit today. And like, tell me that you got over it so that I feel hopeful. And they, those two women, like, like Miranda Kerr, I look at her and I'm like, yeah, I just don't relate. Because she's like, doesn't really have, like, doesn't share, let's say, the, the harder mm-hmm. times. And so in that moment, I said, you know, people were following me on Instagram and I just said to myself, I will always share what's going on to give someone else hope because mm-hmm. I've never felt that. And so that it just like unknowingly became kind of the motto. And so I'm pretty open with things that I go through, like just got back from my honeymoon in the Maldives, which was beautiful. It and was. and there was a lot of fights. There was a lot of crunchy times. There was like, and I, I talk about there's a, a fine line between expectation and intention. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we crossed that, you know, that boundary quite a bit. And so I just, I think it's so important that those that we look up to are real as well, so that it it helps give hope for whatever you're going through now. Cause that's, that's really what it was. I felt very hopeless during my journey because there weren't a lot of experts sharing and Instagram wasn't this big thing and people weren't podcasting and, you know, talking about this. So that's like, the long short without going into all the the other things, but I ended up writing this detox program and then wrote books and started coaching. And, and now I look back and I'm like, I had to go through everything that I did and thank God that I did. Thank Mm -hmm. God I did so that someone else won't have to take that same path because now I have the tools to help someone else. And I'm sure you feel the same. Thank you for being transparent and authentic. And that's one of the things that I really love about you. And that's one of the things that I love also about your Instagram is that you'll show a picture of yourself, but you're like, swipe right. And you'll see how I felt before when I wasn't in the healthiest mindset. And so you share with people that you it's okay. It doesn't matter what your past is you can choose to move forward and to be the best version of yourself. But I want to know, why did you decide to write this detox book? Honestly, it was, <laughs> it was for me. It was during Christmas in 2013 and I felt awful. Was felt it like 2013? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when I wrote the, the, the ebook. Yeah. And oh, wow. I mean, and, and how it started was I went to Google, I put in detox and what came up was the Gwyneth Paltrow, Ollie Hunger Young, or so I'm messing up his name, but it was like a $400 box of supplements. I'm a broke ass model. I don't have $400 and I want to eat food and I have eating disorders. So I know that's going to trigger my, you know, the, the eating. 
Um, I'd been doing nutrition programs at this time, started falling in love with food. And the Shape Magazine had another one, which was like six ounce salmon with six spears of asparagus. And I'm like, one, I don't eat fish too. I don't want six spears of asparagus. Like I want to be able to eat food again. And then there was, there was no juicing at the time, but there was like a smoothie cleanse. I live in London. It was cold. And so my goal at that time when I wrote it was I wasn't necessarily trying to lose weight. I wanted to feel better mm. and I wanted to feel better in the quickest amount of time without spending, you know, a fortune on supplements and things like that. And I, what I knew about nutrition. So I just, I literally asked myself, okay, you're going to write your own program. And I, I think I, I mean, not, I think I, I channeled from a higher power, divine God, whatever you want to call it, uh, my higher self to write this program. But I'm like five days, that's it. Six days. I don't want to do six days, seven days. No way. Five days, like Monday to Friday, I can commit to that. And then if I want to go out for a drink on Saturday, great, you know, I can. And so I wrote it for that. I just put it in a Google document. Actually, I wrote it in a notebook. I still have that notebook to this day. And then on Instagram, I, I had 5,000 followers at the time. And I just did a little like post-it sort of note. And I said, hi, hi, everyone. Like I wrote this detox program. Do you all want it? If so, just let me know. And everyone was like, yes. And so I decided to charge for it. So I, I put it into a pretty format and added some photos and took photos of the meals. And I decided to charge five pounds where I was living because that's like a coffee, whatever, ended up being $8. And I wasn't charging for the information as much because I'm like, anyone can go learn about food and like what's good for you, what's not. I actually was charging because I knew people were going to come to me with questions and it was just, it was the right price point and people saw incredible results. And it's, you know, what, what better than having something that's where- brilliant, by yeah. the way, like, did you yeah. think of that all on your own? Yeah, well, I, I did, but none of it was because I thought I was going to make sales from it. Like I honestly thought I was going to sell like 10 PDFs. Like it wasn't even an ebook. It was like a word document saved as a PDF. And I was like, cool. Like I'm, you know, I'll sell a few. And so in the first two weeks, it was a four point transaction where you'd have to, cause there was no direct messaging or links in bio. So you'd have to say you want it, put your email there. I would email you the invoice. You would then email me back saying you paid. I would then email you the the book. I mean, it was oh not sustainable. So were you doing this all like individual emails? Yeah. Because at the time, you know, it's like one person want to then I think in, in the first two weeks I had sold $200 like so, you know, at $8 a pop. And I'm like, that's amazing. I was so excited, honestly. Like, and I think that's the other thing. The smallest things in your life can change your life forever. Mm -hmm. And so instead of getting attached to these big grand results, you think that you're going to see, I started off with a $8 ebook that literally led to the career I am without ever thinking. So I'd sold like Thank you for saying that. Yeah, thank <laughs> you because course. that's how I started with my book. Like I was just like, I hope that one person, one person other reads. than my mom reads this book <laughs> yeah. and it will give my pain purpose. And yeah. little did I know that this many years later that I would have a podcast called True Grit and Grace be speaking all over the country about resilience. So I love that you share that. And I think it's because you have such a beautiful heart and just like a servant's heart to want to help other people. 
that people feel that. And that's one of the many reasons they're attracted to you and they want to learn from you. But also, Nikki, I want to learn from someone who has been through it, not somebody who's just like, oh, well, you should do this. And I'm like, well, have you had experience doing that? And I'm like, no, you've lived through it. I want to learn from you. Like, how do I get better? How do I detail? Yeah. What are the next steps I do? Fully agree. Well, and, and I think like the, with that, like I, it took many years to acknowledge myself and my own journey and like how far I've come because it, I think we're we're all human. It's like, oh, I should be doing more and I could be. And this was my little breakdown on Friday that I had. I'm like, oh, my business is not where I want it to be. But then when I take a step Me back- Me too, by I, the way. Right? <laughs> Whose is? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I, I take a step back and I'm like, everything I've done, I've le- I've learned on my own. I And yes, mm-hmm. I've had help along the way, but I learned how to you know, do eBooks and then I was helping other people. I learned how to create websites and do the back end of it. I learned how to add f- downloadable things. I then create, like when I launched my app, I created a whole Photoshop thing of exactly how I wanted every page to look. And I handed it to the developer and I said, great, that's it. Like build that. And so super easy, uh, you know. Hey, well, like- wait, let's talk about your app. I mean, we can, it's, it's no longer in the the store though. You can't get it because what I wanted to do was get people just to actually get the book because what I've found at least from having the app for so long, I mean, so the app, when I launched it, it went number one in six countries in 24 hours, no paid marketing. And that wow. was just, that's the power of community of like getting it people is. excited and getting them inspired with you mm-hmm. because they're part of the journey with you. But yeah, the app, um, I just, I realized funneling them to the book was better because I poured my heart and soul into the book. And there's only so much information you can put in an app. And then the the next iteration, which I'm, this has been years in the thus far non-making, but the belief is in my head, I'll do it. And the hope is a meal delivery service from my detox because it's a program. Yeah. It works. It's amazing. And yeah, I'm happy to talk about any but of you that. You know like- what? I'm so glad you shared that because that's what we learn along the journey. When you're putting yourself out there and you're trying different things, it's like you figure out what works, what doesn't work, what's the next step. This is making an impact. This isn't. And that's how you do it. But kudos to you for like actually going for it. And I think, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone earlier this morning and she was just in tears because she had lost her assistant. And she's like, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I was like, well, I'll cut back my assistant hours so you can have some of my assistant and we'll, we'll figure this out. She said, yeah, I don't know if people realize how expensive it is to run a business, like what happens on the back end of having a podcast or a coaching business or a mastermind or an app or whatever it is. And I think you really have to love what you're doing to make it work. (sighs) And I just appreciate again so much that you sharing like, we all have bad days. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more this and that because it makes you feel not so alone in the journey. So when did you start to break that isolation of, you know, going from having 
eating disorders and feeling alone in your journey to realizing that, no, I I'm here. Connection is key. Connection is the opposite of addiction. Connection Mm -hmm. is the opposite of loneliness and depression. And it's how we thrive. When did you realize that? And then how did you start to build your community? I would say I, I actually learned it kind of in an opposite way because I've had such an abnormal life and career. Like I went to three colleges in four years. I graduated uh, high school a year early. So I, I never went to prom. I never, you know, walked with my high school people. And then, you know, here I am like bouncing school. So I've had such an just abnormal upbringing, career, whatever you name it. And so I didn't have the opportunity in because of these choices that I made to have, you know, that formal community where we go to brunch or, you know, it's like, I want to call my friend, but we're on the opposite sides of the world and time zones. And so I actually found, you know, the power of community through Instagram in 2013, when I started sharing, it was just kind of like the detox. It was an account just for me where I would share headless body photos of myself. So I'd, I'd, you know, crop my head off and I would share my body and then I would be really open and vulnerable and talking about my body dysmorphia and if I binged that day and how I was feeling. And then I was also really, really, was that a different account? No, same one. I, I, but over the course of, I mean, I'm so sad that I deleted these photos because then, and the, the Instagram account name was skinny mini me XOXO, because that's what I was still in that time frame, like aspiring wow, to be. And you're kidding me. And, oh, it, it, and, See, I left the crappy, crappy Instagram post oh, that I, I put I up did. when I first started Instagram, because when I first started, I had written my book and I had a publisher that was like, well, we're going to publish your book. We don't do any marketing or branding. If you want to get your book out there, it's up to you to do it. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, I have no money. What can I utilize? It's free. And I was like, okay, let me get on Instagram. I didn't know how to work it, didn't know how to do it at all. And this is like five years ago, by the way, and started posting and the the posts were terrible. The captions were terrible. And I leave them up because I want people to know we all start from somewhere. We start from not knowing what we're doing to figuring it out. So growing. Wow. You started in 2013. Well, and I thought I was late to the game. The reason that I took post down though, was it was, it was a very like Fitzbo account for me. Again, this was an account for me to share my personal journey, not with anyone. I didn't think anyone was going to follow. I didn't know how it worked. And then I started hitting the popular page two times a day. I would get like up to 10,000 followers a day. So I went from, yeah, I went, how did you start hitting the for you page? Because it was, it was nine photos at the time. And I just, I would post something that I knew that people liked. And so just the algorithm really liked my account. So I went from 10,000 to a hundred from January to May in 2014. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, I well the the growth is much much smaller and slower now but the why I Okay, share yeah, that, the growth is smaller now, right? Oh, it's I mean it's 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 it crawls. It's so hard now. <laughs> it's like on Instagram, okay, I just wondered yeah. if you noticed yeah. that because on Instagram there would be like weeks where I would gain like sometimes 2000 followers and now I'm like, okay, hello, I've been staying at the same yeah. number. Oh, if I if I post anything controversial 
I'll lose 2000 followers in in a day. Like it's, it's very fickle now. People are quick to, they're quicker to unfollow than they are to follow. And the people that follow you don't even see your posts anymore. So the, you know, I, I was growing back then, but I changed the account from skinny mini me XOXO to stay sharp, be strong because my whole mindset around health and wellness and fitness had changed. And I'm like, I don't want to represent this like skinny mini me now that people were looking up to me. And so with that, I left a lot of the photos up of myself, but then it's just as, you know, the account's grown and then I have publishers and people and the, and so it's, there's just been different voices along the way. Uh And then my own voice being like, oh, it needs to be more expert like. So then I took these posts out and I'm, I still have a lot of them you know, I've screenshotted them and I have them in my my archives on my computer, but it's I started Instagram never as a place to inspire other people. I used it as like my own photo diary so that daily I was posting my meals to keep me accountable to eating well during my eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I posted girls that had healthy fit like I would post a a girl like you, a woman like you, you were my fitspo in 2013 that I would post of just like, you know, ripped and sexy and vibrant and smiling because I was anything but that. And so people followed and it was my own photo diary. And then just as, as it grew, people started asking me questions, wanting advice. I started my, my website, my blog, I did inspiring interviews with just my followers and sharing their stories and hardships they overcame. And, and I never had anyone famous on the inspiring interviews. It was just, you know, like the average Joe of like, whatever, like so many different beautiful and challenging stories. And I, I love just being able to share people's stories, share my own, you know, we connect through that. And so through long winded answer to your question though, of like, how did I find community. And it was honestly in 2013 through talking to people, them asking questions. And now, you know, it's changed. It's morphed. And as my account gets bigger, it's, it is harder to be totally vulnerable because should I keep that expert nature? Like, you know, the, the exercises that I teach, they work, they do, but I'm human. I have bet. So it's, it's a fine balance, but I still like Nikki, I I feel you on that so much. (laughs) I do. I do. Because you get to a place where like, yeah, I started being called like the queen of resilience, the expert on resilience right. and this and that. And then it's like, and you're like, I just had a bad day. I just want to tell you about it. But yeah, I, it, it I just had the mind. crappiest day and I feel <laughs> like staying in bed and binging on Netflix. Totally. But we're all human. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, my, my page has really, you know, I started out same similar, like, sharing my scars and about complex regional pain syndrome, the nerve disease I was diagnosed with. And I started connecting with a community of people who were diagnosed with some horrible things. And um, then I, were you on Clubhouse when Clubhouse came around? <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't say when it came, but during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, I, I, or maybe that's when it was, but yeah, I was, I yeah. was on it during yeah, I was on second. there like when it came out the, during the <laughs> pandemic and on Clubhouse. And I even had two rooms, like I had my own club Amazing. and I had two rooms, one for that was like a support group for complex regional pain syndrome and another room that was for entrepreneurial, oh, like mostly women, but entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. 
And I noticed like as amazing as it was for the CRPS community to come together, it was hard and it was heavy and it was talking about pain and it it was just hard. Yeah. And I would leave the entrepreneurial journey room and just be like, oh, jazz. Yeah. And And I was like, yeah, that's when things started to shift for me. And it's like, look, yeah, I live with this nerve disease. But when I start to talk about it, it brings Brings me down. down. Yeah. I feel the pain more. I'll do the things to feel the feelings, but I want to focus on like people who are ready to go, like the trailblazers, the go-getters, the, you know, And so I noticed then it was like, oh, yeah, I really. So I noticed the transition and kind of what I talked about into what I what I talk about now. And so it's nice to know that you've done the same and you've kind of transitioned. And now you have got like, oh, my gosh, you are freaking famous. Like you've got millions of followers. No, No, I have I have like. 550,000, which has been like the slowest crawl. Like, honestly, well, I thought you had millions. No, I'm, I think it's millions across all your platforms. Cause I don't know. I, like, I look at people like Jay Shetty, Lewis Howes, Tony Robbins, that they have these huge accounts. And you know, they have a team of people helping. Oh, they don't, they don't never, they never post. Jay Shetty, I don't think, writes his own captions. He just posts lots of videos. Like Jay Shetty to me is like, I mean, I do think he has some hand in it just because there was one time when I hired a new assistant like two years ago and I was like, oh, I'm going to have some help. And I was like, yeah, can you help me just maybe create a inspirational quote and caption? So this is my very first time trusting someone with my Instagram. (laughs) She puts up a, a quote in a post saying that it's the quotes from Jay Shetty. Jay messaged me and he calls me Amber and he was like, hey, Amber, I just want to let you know that that's not my quote. That's from a doctor that I interviewed. So can you please take it down? <laughs> now it already had thousands of likes. It had over 300 comments. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm mortified. So ever since then, I'm like, okay, got to check oh, and yeah, double check. But course. I was just like, I just assumed that my assistant at that time had fact checked and double checked that that was his quote. But yeah, you know, I, but again, like we're all human. The amount of mistakes that I make in business, like I oh, think I'm, God, I, I make I'm successful in business because I fail all the time. And instead of lying on the floor and beating myself up, which I might do for a day, I then get up and I'm like, okay, that idea didn't work. So how do we pivot? What do we do now? And so like, do I have pity parties for myself on occasion? Sure. Human again, but I have the tools and I teach the tools on how to get out of the pity party and how to actually change your life so that you don't say stuck in the story of you're a failure, you're a this, you're a that. And so it's, you know, it, it took everything I've been through to get to this place. And I, I wake up every day and I'm like, damn, I, kind of like myself a lot. Uh, But, uh, you know, the amazing part is for, so I'm 35 now for the, you know, 30 years of my life, or let's say not 30, but like a good 15 years of my eating disorder journey, I woke up and I hated myself every day. So to wake up and be like, it's a beautiful day. How exciting. And sure, like, do I wake up in a bad, crunchy mood sometimes? 
but I've literally changed my brain. Like when we talk about neuroscience and neurofeedback and the subconscious mind, like I have retrained my brain and trained it so that I have an entirely different view of the world today than I did a few years ago. And that's the cool thing is the work works if you're willing to put the work in. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I love your attitude. I love your outlook on life and I love your authenticity. And yeah, everything that I've been through, even the mistakes that I've made in business or, you know, like something as silly as misquoting somebody on Instagram, (laughs) I have taken that. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I've learned from it. And this is what I can do differently in the future. What would you suggest to somebody who's like, yeah, all this sounds great, but I am just feeling stuck. I cannot get moving. I'm not motivated. I don't know how to get out of this part of my life where I am just feeling miserable and I I don't want to move. Yeah, I, I get that because I think, Amberly, both of you and I, we've been there. And that's, it's a tough place to be. And so I really resonate and have empathy for anyone feeling that way. I would say there's going to be three things. And well, there's a multitude of things, but I'll, I'll give a few answers. One, you have to start getting outside, whether it's walking in nature. And I, I'm not saying going to the gym and beating yourself up on a truck, like getting outside fresh air literally changes your brain, changes the chemicals yeah. in your brain. You start to release dopamine. That's the feel good chemical. Um, calling a friend. So when we when we feel down and out, what's the very first thing that we do? We isolate and we stop talking to people. And so it's reaching out to a friend and possibly maybe asking for help or just saying, you know, hey, I'm like my husband today, I messaged him, you know, hey babe, how's your day going? And he was like, rah, 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 I'm angry. Rah. I'm like, okay, you know, would you like to stay in this mood? Cause if so, like I'll I'll let you you be in your mood. Um, or do you want to come out of it. He's like, no, I want to come out of it. I'm like, okay, what would help you to come out of it? He said, a hug when I get home. Very like, I'm like, great. There is a big giant hug. Where said when he came in, I call I call it an octopus hug, right? Like wrap every kind of like finger and hand and arm and leg around him. And it took him asking for help, right? Asking for what he needed in that moment. And you might not know what you need, but human touch connection, the biggest difference between wellness and illness is there's an I in illness because when we start to get into the mindset of, you know, I'm broken, I'm depressed, I'm in despair, I can't fix myself, I'm hopeless, it's I, 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 I. So wellness, when we talk about what's wellness, it's community, it's connection. It's not just the food you eat, the exercise you do, but the number one way to change your life, to change your health is to start getting in communities. And that's can start with calling a friend or reaching out to someone on Instagram. Like the amount of support I've gotten from, you know, Insta friends has been amazing. So I would say those two things, one, one really big one that helped me was starting to count colors at meals. So instead of it being, you know, instead of counting macros or eat, just eating whatever you want, because the food you eat will literally determine how you feel. Mm. And if you're feeling depressed, you need to eat things that will change that immediately. That's why my detox works so well so quickly. But I always say count colors, not calories, because if you do nothing else but start to add in colors, three colors at every meal, you will feel more energetic. You will feel 
more optimistic about life. Your skin will clear up. You'll have more energy. You'll sleep better. And when you start sleeping better, your brain starts functioning better. Mm -hmm. And so through all of these different, like there's so many tools, but it's like sleep is the number one most important thing to our health. And it's the most under talked about thing mm -hmm. in health. You got to start sleeping more. You have to be putting the right food in your body. Don't overcomplicate it. Count colors. That's it. Connecting with friends, with people going outside. Like those are incredibly simple things. And the the challenge that I've seen with the human mind is people will say, right, but that won't make a difference. It because does, we've been though. taught it it does, but the mind and we think that it needs to be this big grandiose step to make a change. And it's not. It's the small things you do daily that make the big changes in life. Oh my goodness. Yes. And you know, I, I love that so much and it's such a great reminder. And sometimes even though we know like we need to sleep, we need to eat well, we need to hydrate, we need to move our body, we need to get in nature. We need to be reminded of that. And from somebody who is like, Hey, I've struggled and this is what helps me. And I always have to remind myself, um, there's a saying, uh, so I got sober in 2016 and it's called halt, never get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And I've had to get back to basics to yeah. reminding myself. I mean, actually today I've been in my office since six this morning and I had a quick window a break this afternoon before we started recording. And I was like, okay, I need to go out in nature, get some mm -hmm. sun a little bit, make sure I get something to eat. Although it wasn't the healthiest. I, I, I try, <laughs> I've had to go back to like food prepping since I've moved back to Texas in California. It was so easy to get stuff. Like I'd go to air one market or Gelson's or something. <laughs> yeah. And food, yeah. I, but now I'm like, I got to get back to food. Oh, yeah. 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 But it's, you know, I think the other thing to remember on that is we are going to have different seasons in our life. So just as like we have actual seasons outside and I live in Miami and sure, we don't have as many seasons, we still have different fruits and vegetables that grow at different times. The weather does change. That's going to be the same in your life. So you might be in a season where now it's just, it's the reminder and it's the reconnection to say, oh, okay, great. But it's just, I'm in a different season. It's back to meal prepping. Like I'm in a season with my business where I've never, like, honestly, in the beginning of the year, I said to the universe, I really want, you know, I want to be busy this year. I want to keep building be careful what you wish for. I've never been so busy. And I'm like, I genuinely don't have time slash energy. And I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm saying I have to prioritize. So I'm ordering more food than I have. It's still healthy, but this is a season that I'm in where I'm aware I'm doing less exercise than I would normally. Mm -hmm. But I also know that the season is not going to last forever. And so it's when we can get into that mindset as well, it's like, all right, I'm in a season of depression. You are not depressed. You are in a season of it. Exactly. So that we don't, that we don't helps attach. a lot to yeah. think about that. That really helps a lot. I've talked to my husband about, this is a season, honey. This is a season <laughs> of things being very eventful. He's like, you've been in a season of things being eventful since you wrote your book. It's been nonstop. Yeah. When is it going to slow down? And I'm like, 
And I thought things would kind of <laughs> slow down, like when we moved to Texas. And I think it just got busier. Busier, I, yeah. Yeah, like more eventful. Yeah. I've got more speaking events, which I'm grateful for. It's everything right. I already asked for, but it's also scary. I'm going to sit yeah. here and admit, I am scared to death. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is what I have asked for, what I've prayed for. And now it's here and I have all these speaking events lined up. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like I get imposter syndrome. Like, yeah. Surely they don't really want me to go speak at that event. Can they really, is that true? And so I think it helps again with what you said, getting in community, connecting with other people who are working on building their businesses. It helps so much. One last question. What would you suggest to do for somebody who needs to build, they, they want to start doing more, but they just want to work on their confidence. How would you suggest they build their confidence? To build your confidence, you have to do the things that you don't want to do. You have to do the things that scare you. And the reason that people don't like that answer is because it's like, right, but isn't there like an easy way? No, there there is no easy way. But I'm not saying that you need to go, you know, jump off a cliff, bungee jump or things like that. I'm saying the very things that scare you, like maybe it's reaching out to someone when you need help. That's what builds confidence, doing the things that scare us. And you start small, right? It's not these like, again, big, big, grandiose things, but on the other side of fear is everything you've ever wanted. And the only way to get there is through it. And what does resilience mean to you? What is the definition of resilience to you? I would say resilience is being okay, not knowing the path and being all right when things don't go your way and shifting and moving and persevering and taking breaks too, right? Like we all have to take breaks at time, but the resilience is like, for me, I have no idea where my career is going. I, if you asked me 10 years ago, I had no idea that I'd be here today. And so resilience is just trusting the unknown and putting one step in front of the other blindly with like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I hope it's good. And I'm going to believe it's good. And, and even if it's not, I'm going to do the same thing the next day and try again. I would say that's my answer. Oh, I love that. You are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. You are so amazing. What is the best way I want people to be able to listen to your podcast? And I'm excited. I'm going to be on your yep. podcast. I want people to be able to grab your detox information, your book, the book, uh, yeah. both books. And also you've got several coaching programs, whether they want to work solely with one-on-one on one. Yeah. One on one or through a program. And I really want people to be able to connect with you. So I'll put all this information in the show notes, but what is the best way for people to connect with you? Instagram or my website, a lot of information's on both. There's a contact form, but also just on Instagram, like we've talked about, I love connecting with people. I manage everything. I write back to every single comment or DM that comes in. And I love when people say hi, especially if it you know, came from another podcast. So definitely just say hi, do right? Do the thing that scares you to reach out and, and say hi. Like I always get people that'll message me and be like, oh, I, I saw you at this restaurant or the street. Or, and I'm like, why didn't you come say hi? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Like I didn't want to bother you. And I'm like, no, 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 guys, come on. Like, come say hi. I'm 
but I, I, I get it. You know, we, we get afraid, but that's what I'm saying is doing the thing that, that scares you in whatever that means to you in your life. So for some yeah. that might be reaching out, but do it, please. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I remember the first time somebody came over to me at a restaurant and said, you're Amberly Lago. I follow you on Instagram. And I'm like, you do? Oh my <laughs> gosh. I know it's you. like, we're almost more nervous and excited than the person coming up. Oh like, yeah. Oh, that like made oh my, my God, day. I was like, do really? you want to take a photo? Yeah. That's same. Like seriously? Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Hello. So yes, Nikki Sharp. And is it NikkiSharp.com? Yeah. And, Nikki, okay. it, it, and you can Google it. It's just, I'm pretty with my name. It's pretty easy to find, even if you yeah, yeah, it. you are easy to find. Like <laughs> as soon as you Google you, like everything pops up. Your podcast, yeah, your website's beautiful, by the way, Thank too. You. As is yours. I, I was getting very inspired. I'm like, next redesign. I'm I'm taking your model. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you. And of course, I'm like in the middle of redesigning mine. Yeah. So isn't that Never always ends. how it is? Just working it all out. Oh my gosh. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Y'all take a screenshot of this and tag me at Amberly Lago Motivation and Nikki Sharp on Instagram. I love when I see that. I always reshare it when I see it on my story. So let's just spread some joy and happiness and grit and grace and resilience. Nikki, thank you for being here. Thank you. And hey, y'all, thank you for so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.